Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> it may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local, and not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Well, don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you in the Kia Studios. Going to be with you for the full, well, I guess four hours and one minute is uh, is where we started. Uh, we're working overtime uh, here tonight. Uh, we ask you to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much. You want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. You can use your smartphone. You can use your Alexa speakers. You can use your tablet. Your Polaroid camera, your fax machine, your Palm Pilot, whatever your device is, just download it on something to be able to catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, the best way to be a part of this show is to follow us through our personal Twitter pages. I am at JMCH316. That is your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there producing the show on the other side of the glass. Day Day's in the house at the D. Lewis for real. Well, bunch to get into here uh, this evening. Uh, we got a lot to uh, to chop up here tonight. Um, let's start with the Braves. They were pounded on last night by the uh, Boston Red Sox. Um, you know, not a good start for Morton again. It's just kind of, and he didn't give up any home runs. I'll give him credit for that. Didn't give up any home runs, but um, they got pounded. I guess the good news is the Braves turned their first triple play since. What was it, 1884? Is that right? 1884. And I think Freaky covered that game, right? I mean, he was he was there up and uh, they were the bean eaters then. Uh, I, I, I remember that correctly. Um, but 1884, so um, crazy. But uh, not a good night for the Braves last night. They, uh, they get pounded 7-1. to one. Now you've got Spencer Strider on the mound here this evening, and Look, he needs a good start, right? I mean, he struck out the world over his last three starts. He's got 34 strikeouts in three starts. But, you know, last time he was out, uh, that was on the 20th against Arizona. Six innings, four earned runs. Then on the um, 15th of the month against the White Sox, six innings and five earned runs. And then his start before that was a masterpiece in, in Tampa, where he had um, six and a third inning of zero earned runs. But obviously he's given up nine earned runs in 12 innings over his last couple of starts. And, you know, again, they can afford to have pitchers that get – and that, this is the thing that frustrated me about Michael Soroka is, okay, six innings and four runs. I can live with that. Is that great? Is that a quality start by today's modern-day standard? No. Not a quality start, but it's close. And the way the Braves score, if you give me six innings and four earned runs, I can live with that. Uh, this the, this offense is going to pound on people. 
I can live with uh, those kinds of numbers. And that that's you know Strider's you know given up eleven runs, eleven earned runs, or sorry, nine earned runs in his last twelve innings pitch. So let's hope he has a good start. And um, you know, again, he uh, up in Boston. This this will be the wrap up of this uh, set. So they look to split uh, here, and then they come back home starting this weekend, and they will uh, take on the Milwaukee Brewers, who they just took two out of three from when they were in Milwaukee. So, again, Milwaukee in first place. Now, the Braves start off tonight's play 11 games up in the division. So, um, you know, again, the Braves are – it's funny. The Braves are 4-6 and in their last 10, okay? Phillies 5-5. and So, they've gained one whole game on Atlanta. The Marlins are 2-8. and So they've lost two games, and the Mutts are 5-5. Five and five. Only the Nationals have been a couple of games above 500. So the point is, is that, again, nobody has done anything in this division. Washington, New York, Miami, Philadelphia, nobody can gain any ground in this division. That's why it's been over for weeks. Weeks, I tell you. It's been over for weeks. Because we're almost to August. And the Phillies are just floundering around at 54 and 47, 11 games behind the Atlanta Braves in the division. So let's see what um, what uh, Spencer Strider has uh, tonight, and uh, hopefully he's got a a bounce back good start uh, in him. Uh boy, Atlanta United last night. Whoo wee! That was a that was a butt whooping. You know you don't get. You don't get too many of those kinds of performances in soccer, right? Like where you have a guy, like, could could anybody have stopped Messi? I mean, other than cleats high into Messi's leg, anybody could stop Messi? I he looked uh, he looked like a men among boys, and, and I know that he's obviously, arguably the best player, you know, Ronaldo or Messi, whatever side you want to choose on. But if he's not one, he's number two in the world, right? I mean, he's one of the two or three best players on the entire planet. And you saw that on full display last night. Two goals and an assist, and they whooped. I mean, whooped Atlanta United for nothing. Our defense is, it's something to behold. I mean, okay, you didn't score any goals, he gave up four last night, and he had no answer for Lionel Messi. I mean, no answer. That was just – now, thankfully, it doesn't count in the MLS standings, right, because this is League's Cup action or whatever it is. I mean, another one of these Fakakta tournaments that they get mixed up in, you know, outside of MLS. But, um, you know, they'll see Messi come September 15th, right? He'll be, he'll be here in Atlanta, and he'll be on the turf. That's what I know. Or he may just decide to sit that match out. I hope, listen, I, I hope he does. I hope that the turf scares him to where he would sit out a match. After last night, yeah, you would want to make sure yeah. that you keep the you know, turf in. You, you know what? You know what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pull out the turf that's in Mercedes-Benz Stadium right now and replace it with Philadelphia AstroTurf from the 1980s. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna replace. I'm gonna literally take out the field turf and replace it with 1983 astroturf from Philadelphia. That's what I'm gonna. Where they basically played on concrete, like balls would, 
balls on that field in the old days, they they could like bounce up and over your head in the infield. Like a grounder to short would take a seven hopper out to short, and then all of a sudden, this it's like a racquetball, right? Or one of the what do they call those things? The super ball? You know, like when you bounce a super ball on a surface, that's what that turf would look like in the old days. Like 1983. You know, guys are out there, Larry Bowes out there playing shortstop, and the ball's bouncing over his head. He was a, and look, Larry Bow was a tremendous fielder. Like, he was a gold glove shortstop, and he was a terrific defensive player. And that turf would just eat people up. I, the only guy that really figured that turf out was Mike Schmidt for, for the uh, Phillies. He was a master. At, and, uh, and let me tell you, the other guy was uh, in Cincinnati, Dave Concepcion, was one of the best turf shortstop I, I have ever seen. So, and, and Ozzy, Ozzy, you know, was all world. But again, uh, I, if I've got to replace with the AstroTurf from 1983 for the Philadelphia, I'll, I'll gladly replace it because I don't want to see him. I don't, I don't want, I don't want anything to do with uh, with Messi. So uh, Atlanta United gets their butt kicked. They'll regroup and take on uh, who they got to on uh, on Saturday. They've got uh, somebody coming up. I don't, we don't have the play by play schedule here, but but they'll they'll try to regroup and. See if they can get uh, get a win in uh, this League's Cup uh, action. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Joe Patrick coming up here at 8.20, our Falcons reporter, as it's officially underway, right? The first official practice for the Atlanta Falcons for this upcoming 2023 season. Now, we're going to ask you a question as we head toward break, and we're going to get you involved at 404-726-0929. But, uh, look, it's it's good to have the NFL back. It's, it's more – Good to have the Falcons back, right? Everybody's kind of opening up tomorrow. Fans are going to be out there tomorrow. We're going to have uh, what? We got the Morning Shaft. We got the Chuck House and Dandy and Randy. So we got all the shows out there. Then Dukes and Bell will be at the Hooters at the uh, Mall of Georgia. So we've got you covered for Thursday and Friday. Then they will be out there all week next week. So and we're we're at what bar are we at for our show? What uh, uh, it's not uh, what's it's the, not a bar. What, huh? It's called oh, here. Uh, oh it's the oh it's the it's at uh, Holman and Finch downstairs. You no, mean? no, it's here. Saints and Council. Nope, here. Huh? Here at Colony Square or over at. Uh, what what's uh, the establishment? What's that called? Establishment? No, that's what it's called. Right. But that's not where we're huh? we won't be there. Really? No. We'll we're be, out. No, we're here. It where? In here. Really? In this yeah, room? In this room. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um. So yeah, we'll have all your camp coverage, and um, uh, we'll have you covered uh, all day long, and obviously all next week is uh, we are what two two weeks from Friday is the first preseason game for the Atlanta Falcons two weeks from Friday. So it'll be here fast. I can tell you, I mean, honestly, it will be here very quickly. I mean, this, this will, and again, you know, I've got my daughter starting school on Tuesday. So it's like, there's so much going yeah, on same here. right now, you know, just so much right now. That's uh, that's going on. We've got our orientation uh, tomorrow. So we got to go to the high school and do her freshman orientation and all that kind of stuff. So I feel weird. Like I'm, I'm really, really kind of struggling a little bit here with, that she's going into high yeah, school. Yeah, that she's going into high school. Mm-hmm. Like she's she's on the real downslope of her, mm-hmm. you know, mandatory schooling and mm-hmm. now she's in a you know, unique place where I mean it's just, you know, high school years and all that. So, I mean, I'm on one hand I'm excited, but on the other hand, I'm like, man, she's not like my tiny little girl anymore. Right. She's yeah. you know, yeah. I'm not picking her up from elementary school or whatever like that. She's 
She's about to be a high schooler. Right. So, yeah. Anyway, um, I've got mixed feelings about all of that. But anyway, that's um, that's neither here uh, nor there. But um, we'll talk to Joe Patrick. We'll also talk to a Chad Bishop, the um, uh, beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution covering Georgia Tech as ACC Media Days. Or I guess they wrapped up. I think they, they, they officially wrap up. No, they got one more day up there. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, they should, uh, tomorrow. Because today's Wednesday, okay. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. they got tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, all right. So they don't do the whole four-day event, though. Don't, don't it was think? three. They started Monday. They yeah. started on uh, Tuesday. Tuesday, right? Yeah, because yeah, they yeah. yeah, they're usually a day shorter. I mean, everybody is usually a day shorter than what the SEC is, right? Because um, yeah. Big Ten is having their media days this week as well. So, uh, and by the way, did you see Colorado is going to leave the? That's what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, that I, I think. Um, you think it's going to happen? No, no. I think uh, what's I think it's kind of almost official now. Um, Brent McMurphy tweeted out that they are leaving the Pac-12 oh, wow. to return. To the Big Twelve, oh so wow! So he's he's said it uh, as officially uh, happening. So um, it's not just not just rumor and innuendo, as we like to say. It's officially you know happening. So anyway, um, boy, how about Jalen Brown? Got the bag. So, so you know what? You you want to know why that guys stay with their even if it's just for a year, right? You you want to know why? What would Jay, what would Jalen Brown do, other than sign a three hundred and four million dollar contract for five years? What what would what else would you expect him to do? Walk out? No, no, I'm not, not going to play for three hundred four million dollars. I don't care how mad or angry or upset or disen. Chanted or disenfranchised with the organization, you are. I don't care. It's $304 million for five years. You know what? Suck it up, Buttercup. And and I yeah. saw I saw Jason McIntyre. Oh, well, he's not even a top 15 player. And and they they had the he put on Twitter. Uh, well, he's quote he's not a top fifteen player, and then it had a, a line that said Jason McIntyre on Jalen Brown signing his contract, and I tweeted I sub what what they, what they call that quote quote tweet the kids yeah. call it okay so I quote tweeted I said um, it's not about what you're what you are it's about if you're next right like it's not about what you think it's worth if you're next you're the next guy guess what. There are what a dozen supermax guys running around the NBA in today's world. Yeah. Okay. Are, are there more than twelve players in the NBA? Oh, definitely. Okay. So there aren't many of those guys. If you're net, we talk about this with quarterbacks all the time. It's not what your value is. It's where you are in the pecking order. If you're the next guy in line and a team identifies you, then you're going to get paid. Oh, well, he's not a top 15 guy. Guess what? It doesn't matter. You think the Celtics looked at it and said, well, let's see, is he 16 or 18? No. They're like, we need a guy like this to win us an NBA championship. Because you know what the Celtics are? They're in the NBA championship business. Yeah. I, I don't know if you know this or not, Day Day. They've had success as a franchise winning NBA championships. They have won them in the past. 
I don't know. I don't know if Jason McIntyre is aware of that. <laughs> Again, maybe he isn't old enough to have seen footage, whether it's black and white or color. But he's an he's an idiot. I, again, I, I that guy is uh, anyway. But he's getting paid. He's filling in for cow turd, getting paid. Can't knock him for that, man. Can't knock him for that. All right, 404-726-0929. Very simple question for you. Can the Falcons have a successful season without being in the playoffs? We'll take your calls on it next. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios. Sports Radio 929 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9 of the game. Back at a Chuckery show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Wednesday evening with you. All right, 404-726-0929. That is our phone line. It's also our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. It's open and ready for you. But asking you your thoughts about this question, and we want to get your thoughts about this. Can the Falcons have a successful season without being in the playoffs? Day-Day, I'll ask you very quickly. I know you got to answer the phones and stuff, but I'll ask you very quickly. Do you think the Falcons can have a successful season without making the playoffs? Uh, I've been thinking about that, and to me, I'll say yes. Um, what has it been? Seven, what is it? Seven and seven and ten, right? Two, two, two years straight? Yes. Um, yes. I'll say yes because this is the first, first time, you know, uh, Coach Arthur Smith has what he has as far as, uh, you know, the pieces and everything. Right. Um, you know, technically Ritter is technically, technically year one uh, as a starter because those four games you really, yeah. you know, can't right. really count that. So I'll say yes in the sense that, you know, because you can miss out at, um, I guess, nine and eight. Um, you probably could even miss out at 10 and seven, um, depending on how, how things go. So if they get to those marks and miss out, I'm going to say yes. I, I 100% agree. And, and look, I think the most important thing is that this team is above 500 because it's time to start living above 500. Whether we make the playoffs if it's 9 and 8 or 10 and 7, you can't control everything else across the league. And if the Falcons are 9 and 8, 10 and 7 and there are teams that just have a better record than they do, I can't be mad at that. That's that to me is growth. If if we're above 500 now, and we're moving in the right direction, then that's what I want from this franchise. Now, I'll use an example, and I use this with Carl. The Detroit Lions last year were 9-8. and eight. That was a successful season for Detroit. Now, look, they had not been very good, obviously, for a long time, but 
The last time they were above 500 was, oh, 2017. Oh, that's the last time we were above 500. They've lost the last two years 24 games. Okay, well, we've lost 20. It's not like we've set the world on fire the last couple of years. But Detroit did not make the playoffs. They finished second in their division. They were 9-8. and eight. Minnesota had just a miraculous year. I mean, they were, what were they, like 11-0 and in one-score games or something ridiculous before getting bounced out of the playoffs. And, again, they didn't make it. They, they weren't either in the right division or whatever as far as the wild card goes. They didn't make it. But can anybody argue that the Detroit Lions aren't an up-arrow franchise? They've drafted Panay Sewell and Aiden Hutchins in the last two years. They've solidified their offensive and defensive line. Jared Goff is a good enough quarterback. He's been in a Super Bowl. And they have a good roster, and they are an up-arrow franchise. They were only 9-8 and eight last year and didn't make the playoffs. So I do think that it is possible for the Falcons, if they finish 9-8, and 10-7, and seven, what have you, and don't make the playoffs, I still think that's a successful season. I, I still think that it's success for this team to get themselves back above 500. Now, you know, again, they get to that point, you've got to start living there. That's the key. You can not like Matt Ryan for all you want, but he brought the greatest era of success to this Falcons franchise. They were consistently in his first handful of years until, you know, the, the Mike Smith era and the Dan, uh, and well, the Dan, Dan Quinn at the end with Dan Quinn, they were, they were a successful franchise. They, they had more success with Matt Ryan than they ever had in the history of their organization. Now, I know that's not, I know it's like saying, you know, you're the, you're the tallest midget or the nicest guy on death row or whatever. But again, they, they never had more success than they had with Matt Ryan. And we were at least a perennial playoff contender. We expected to be above 500. And the occasional NFC championship game and the magical season in 16 where we got to the Super Bowl. So I do think that if the Falcons can get to 9-8, and 10-7, and seven, I don't look at that as a failure. Even if it doesn't mean playoffs, I don't look at that as failure. 404-726-0929. That's our phone line. Let's go out to Dak out in Duluth. What's going on, Dak? Hey, this is Jack in Duluth. Oh, sorry. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good, buddy. What's going on, man? Hey, um, I would have to say that Saints are probably the favorites because of uh, Carr as a quarterback. Uh, going in, they probably are. But I, I think it would be a great season for the Falcons if they can remain around 500. And you could see improvement with Ritter and, and with um, their, their other first-round pick of Robinson. Um, I think if, if they got improvement with them this year, especially since it's their first se- real full season, uh, that, that would be a plus. And I just wanted to touch on something, too, about Jalen Brown, what you said before, um, that I, I truly feel that he didn't deserve that kind of money um, because I think he's the reason why they didn't beat the Heat in, in this series. Uh, he kind of just fell apart, lost the ball a lot, didn't, didn't come through when they needed him. I don't think he's worth $60 million, but I think that's setting up the NBA for – some really big salaries for some average dude. So I wonder what you guys think about that. Well, I mean, again, Joker on the end of his contract is going to be in the mid-50s. So it's not that different from the money that Joker's getting, you know. And, again, I know he's the MVP of the league and he's won the, won the NBA title. But, again, 
it's not about whether you're worth it or not. It's about if you're next. Uh, teams, teams give out forty million. Teams gave Derek the Oakland A's or Raiders or whatever the hell they are. They gave they gave forty million dollars to Derek Carr. You think Derek Carr's worth forty million dollars? He's been a loser his whole career. A loser. Their franchise is no better today with him gone than they were when he played for them. No better. He was a $40 million quarterback. That's, that's life in sports. Everything goes up and up and up. Again, teams are making more and more and more money. The splits are up and up and up and up and up. It's just natural that salaries are going to go up that way. It's never about what a guy is worth, relatively speaking. Because we're going to talk about this Aaron Rodgers deal coming up in What's Bug and Chuckery. Because, again, the misnomer is, well, he took this pay cut. Really? He's got $58 million owed to him next year. 58. Guaranteed money. Now, if he doesn't take that money, we'll talk about pay cuts. But right now, he's got a $58.3 million roster bonus that got pushed back to 2024. That nugget was conveniently left out of the, the $75 million or whatever guaranteed. Oh, oh, he's got 58-3 that's owed to him next year in a roster bonus? Oh, did, did, did they report that when they talk about pay cuts? No, of course not, because that doesn't fit the narrative. That's why, again, you know, it's not about what you're worth. It's about what's next and who's the next guy up in all of this. All right, let's go to uh, Ramil out in uh, Brooks County. What's going on, man? What's going on, boss? Hey, buddy. How you doing, man? All right. I think if the Falcons don't make the playoffs, it'll be an unsuccessful year. The reason I say that, though, because I think the division is going to be pretty bad. So I think a 9-8 and eight or 10-7 season gets you two or three games ahead of everybody else in the division. So yeah, I, and, I think it'll be all right. And, and I can understand that. I, I mean, look, you, again, you can't control what other teams do. Right? All you can do is handle your business. And obviously, look, their business starts with being good in the division. Let's start with being good in our division, and we can figure out everything else from there. You know, we can figure out whatever games we play against AFC teams and, you know, the a, what is it, the AFC South um, that they play this year. In their, you know, again, we'll figure that out then. But be good against your teams in your division. That's where you start with. But you can't control – who knows? Maybe maybe the Saints go on a run where, you know, they're whatever. They're five and one in the uh, division. I don't know. I mean, whatever it is. Or maybe they're six and zero oh in the division and they just run away with it. You can't control all that. I mean, you can control the games that you play, but you can't control everything else about the Saints. So, um, but I think the Falcons and and to the other caller's point. Look, you're starting a rookie quarterback, and and you have you have a lot of pieces and parts that are around him, and obviously he got a chance to play four games last year. So it's not the Matt Ryan situation where they just dumped him in as the number three pick and tossed him to the wolves, and they went eleven and five because Michael Turner was really good. They were a bend don't break type of defense, and you know some things worked out. But I I could see the Falcons having a nine or ten win season without the playoffs. Again, you can't control what other teams do. Dallas, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Seattle. Like you can't control what those teams do. We just talked about Detroit, right? They think they're going to be a playoff team. 
You know, Minnesota was 13 and 4 last year. Does Minnesota look like a 13 and 4 team? Of course not. They don't look like a 13 and 4 team, but that's what they were. So you can't control some of those other factors that go into all of it. Uh, let's go to Myron out in Decatur. What's going on, Myron? Hey, uh, Chuck. Uh, you know, I I just want to reiterate what the, the previous two callers said, and 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 I feel the same way that and 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 I agree with you as well. You know, a nine a ten win season uh, with the way the NFC is stacked, it's probably won't get you in the playoffs. But I I still consider it a success. You know, if the Falcons, um, because it's an upward climb. Or whatever you know, and I feel that if they can um, win eight, nine, or ten games, they can build on this, and um, you know, just keep adding uh, more and more pieces uh, for the upcoming season. Yeah, and appreciate the phone call. Look, they're going to have money again next year. They're they're going to they're going to have money to spend next year. Now, hopefully, you know, we don't end up with the whatever fourth, fifth, eighth pick in the draft, hopefully we're picking, you know, middle of the pack. That would be my hope because if you're 9 or 10 wins, you're picking somewhere in the middle of the pack, right? But if it doesn't go well and we're 7 and 10 again, then, you know, again, there'll have to be some questions that uh, are asked. I, and by the way, if they go I, – I, unless they go like 2 and 15, ridiculous type of losing, I don't think anybody's job is in jeopardy. But I think that you can be a nine or ten win team and find success in this in this season. Again, I look at the Detroit Lions. That's an up arrow franchise. That's an up arrow franchise. You know, Detroit finished Detroit finished four games back in their division. The Jacksonville Jaguars were nine and eight and won their division by two games. I mean, that's the NFL, right? I mean, if you're in the right division, you can make some hay. If you're if you're in the AFC South, nine and eight, one one by two games over the division over the second place team. If you're in the NFC North, you were four games out at nine and eight, right? That's the that's the NFL. That's the craziness of the NFL. All right, Georgia Tech beat writer for the Atlanta Journal Constitution, Chad Bishop, going to join us up next. Talk some ACC foosball with him. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio 929 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back at a Chuck Show, hanging out in the Key Studios on this Wednesday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is the Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. Well, ACC Media Days uh, taking place this week as they uh, will be coming to an end uh, coming up tomorrow. Let's head out to the Wait For It. Dot com hotline. Let's talk to our guy who covers Georgia Tech for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, 
Chad Bishop. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page at Mr. Chad Bishop, and he joins me here on the waitfor.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Chad, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes on the show tonight. Well, hey, man, thanks for giving me that master. Uh oh. Radio intro then. Oh, we cutting. Uh, we've we get we got him. All right, let's get let's uh, let's put him on hold, day day, and uh, and get back to him. And uh, okay, Chad, we got you. Are you there? Yes, yes. Now I'm. Yeah, hey. now we can hear you. You hear me now? Yeah, they, yeah. Good. I was just uh, saying I appreciated the master of puppets intro there at the beginning. I that really is a great way to <laughs> kick off that Wednesday night. Well, listen, we uh, we get you amped up with the music uh, in our bumpers, so uh, we get you going. So. Chad, I want to talk to you uh, before we get into some Georgia Tech talk. Let, let me talk a little bit about the ACC in um, just some of the teams that, that we'll be looking at. Look, I, I think it's very, I think it's very, I don't know, early or just again, people are trying to kick dirt on the grave of Clemson right now because they didn't make the playoff for the last couple of years and they lost two of their last three games, even though they did win the ACC when all is said and done, but. I think Shipley is one of the more underrated players in college football in America. Um, I still think they're good at quarterback. You know, again, they may not be the Sean Watson and Taj Boyd type level of quarterback or, you know, again, Trevor Lawrence level of quarterback, but I still think they're pretty good. And their defense is always going to be outstanding. I think it's a little bit premature to be trying to throw dirt on the grave of Clemson that they're just not the organization or the, you know, program that they have been in years past. Yeah, and I think the other part of that, right, is like you just know that they're just eating that up, you know, over the border in South Carolina, right? That's that's the bulletin board material. That's the the rat rat poison that Nick Saban would talk about. I mean, Mr. Dabo Swinney is just you know whole all season is saying, look at look at this, you know, nobody respects us, nobody's talking about us. Um, I think you're right. I mean, it's they're they're still one of the cream of the crops college football programs in the southeast and and in the country and. I, everybody's really high right on, on Florida State. And, um, you know, everybody likes North Carolina with Drake May. But, yeah, I mean, Clemson's always going to be right there at the top. And um, it, it is funny that that narrative that they lose a game or two and it's it's all of a sudden that Clemson is done and they're finished and they're not part of this discussion. But, I mean, it's still the elite talent. Like you mentioned, the elite defensive talent is still going to be there. Um, and, and always just an incredibly tough place to play when you go up there at Clemson. So, yeah, you, you can't write them off yet. And I bet I, I bet more than anything they're probably just salivating this offseason, the fact that nobody is talking about them because it allows them to sort of feed that locker room mentality of the disrespect narrative and go out there and prove each and every week that they're still a major player in this ACC title race. And, Chad, uh, you mentioned Florida State. So I am one of the hosts for our college football show on Saturdays here. And – I, I always try to latch on to a team that I think could be a, a, a playoff contender. And last year, unfortunately, it was NC State. Um, of course, injuries, you know, knocked them out. But, you know, it's been Oklahoma State and different programs like that over the years where I try to, you know, go besides just the kind of natural favorites. I really – I'm buying all in on Florida State this year. I think Mike Norvell has a really good program there coming back with the, all the talent that he's got whether it's Jared Verse, whether it's, you know, uh, again, uh, Sermon, and, and they're obviously, you know, again, they may have the best quarterback or at least one of the uh, best quarterbacks in the conference. I love everything about Florida State. This feels like a little bit of some of the old school Florida State. I don't know if it'll all translate into wins, but 
it feels like that this is guys coming back and this feels a little bit like old school Florida State for this program. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, definitely on paper, you know, when we talk, you know, here late July, early August, there, there's certainly a lot of buzz about that program, a lot of excitement, a lot of talent there. Um, you know, they got a good coach and a, a good quarterback. Uh, and, I, you know, I really like their schedule. The fact that they open up with LSU, you know, win or lose, I mean, that, that's a great game for them, right? I mean, that's the mm-hmm. game that, you know, play close and maybe you do lose it. But we all know that in college football early losses definitely don't matter as much as late losses. And then you play always play Florida at the end of the year. That's probably going to be a good win if you can knock that one off. So, um, you know, play Miami, uh, Pittsburgh. Um, not a lot of, you know, soft cupcakes on that schedule. Of course, there's a North Alabama on there, but, you know, play Clemson. So there's opportunities there to get some quality wins, impress some people, move up those rankings. Um, so that's number one. And then, like you said, the, the talent in this one of those, you know, stars aligned situations, right, where you've, you've built things, you've got a lot of depth on that roster, uh, you've got a coach who's done it. And so, yeah, you know, maybe this is the year. Now, when we talk about Clemson and that sort of disrespect narrative, you got to be a little bit wary if you're Florida State, right? Everybody's saying that you are going to be great and you are going to be in that discussion. So you sort of have to guard against that because you really haven't proven anything quite yet. So it's it's a matter of going out there and, and doing it week in and week out. First of all, taking care of business in the ACC and, and winning that conference title and then maybe getting in that playoff discussion. You know, Chad, this is a – you know it may not be the best quarterback conference in America. I think that belongs to the Pac-12 but this is a really good quarterback conference this year. I mean, with Jordan Travis and, you know, again, um, Tyler Van Dyke and obviously Drake May. I mean, there are some really good quarterbacks that are in this conference this year. And obviously Tech's going to see plenty of those, you know, quarterbacks. But but this is a sneaky good quarterback conference this season for the ACC. Oh, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt. And I, I think it's been that way for a couple of years. And maybe, you know, I don't know why, you know, it's really flying under the radar in that regard. I mean, you know, Pitt has put out a, a really good quarterback or two. And obviously Wake Forest is what they've done. And we talked about Drake May at North Carolina. I mean, there's 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 guys that have, you know, signed scholarships at ACC schools and have really risen up the ranks when it, t- it comes in terms of uh, the NFL draft board or, um, you know, all-American teams or all-conference teams. Um, you know, it, it's it, it, I agree with you. It, it's really tough. You know, Brent Key talked about it week in and week out. You're going to face a really elite, really good quarterback no matter what school you're playing. Um, that's a challenge that, of course, you know, he said he loves and he relishes, but it, it's it's going to be incumbent upon Tech, right, to, to find a similar talent right. to take over their football team, uh, whether that's this year or next year moving forward because, all these other programs are signing these guys who are becoming, uh, just, you know, world beaters and, and top 10 draft picks. And uh, that's really where it starts, right? If, if this tech program wants to get to that next level, they got to find that game-changing, program-changing quarterback. So, Chad, um, you had the quote uh, from Brent Key uh, where you put on your Twitter page, my expectations are not defined by wins and losses and production. Now, Okay, I I understand that from a coaching perspective, but can you sell the Georgia Tech fan base on that? Because, again, it's been multiple years of not so many wins and not in bowl games and things like that. I think folks are really kind of getting antsy for at least some signs of, you know, again, getting to or above 500. I, I do think that it's coming to the point in this program that, we have to see some wins. We have to see some – can't just see growth. We have to actually see some tangible results now. 
Yeah, it, it's it's kind of a tricky, you know, phrase right there from Brent Key. And I think, you know, his take on all this, because he was asked so much about expectations and where he expects his team to be and technically what is his year one for him, he's not going to go out there and say, I expect to win eight games or nine games. Now, don't get me wrong. He expects to win every game and he wants his team to expect to win every game and to go into every game expecting to win. Uh, but I think more so for him, his expectations reside in the realm of he wants his team to play tough and play hard and play clean. And I know that sounds like cliche and, and coach speak, right? But I, I think from his point of view, if he gets his team to do that first and foremost, then the expectations will be raised. Then the win total expectations will be raised over time. As a first-year coach, it's always tough because, you know, outwardly, you know, outwardly you're never going to publicly say, well, I expect, you know, to win the conference championship because then if your your team loses two games and they're going to go to the shell and say, well, we're not going to win the conference championship now, so blah, 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 why why do we keep trying? So it, it's it, – it, I, think, I think it's tough, right, as that first-year head coach to put out a number or an uh, expectation in concrete when, you know, you're probably not quite sure yourself on what kind of team you're going to have with some of the transfers or some of the underclassmen and the recruit and the returners, and you're still trying to build this thing. So it's, it's kind of a tricky narrative to sort of paint. Um, you know, I understand where he's coming from in the sense that he just really expects a, a team to really form itself in the locker room first and foremost, and then those expectations in terms of win totals will come down the line this year and, and, and years in the future. Chad Bishop, uh, Georgia Tech beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, joining us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Did you get a sense in hearing from Coach Key? I know he talked about, you know, toughness at the quarterback position and things like that, but did you get a sense about, you know, not so much that he came out and said, look, this is going to be our starting quarterback, but do you kind of think Haynes King really is the guy that's the leader in the clubhouse now? Is it his job to lose, or do you think that there really is a quarterback competition at Tech? I, I think he I think he wants there to be a quarterback competition. I think he may know, you know, in the back of his mind or maybe in his gut who's going to start that first game, but I, I don't think he's even going to tell that kid going into fall camp. I, I think he wants, you know, Zach Pyron and Haynes King to sort of battle it out over, over the fall and see who who takes leadership of the locker room, leadership of the huddle, who can make plays, uh, and then who can go out September 1st and make plays against Louisville. Uh, I think he wants a guy who – uh, it's physically tough in terms of running the football. I think he wants a guy who's mentally tough in terms of maybe overcoming some adversity and bouncing back from an interception. A lot of those things won't play out in fall practice, right? They're they're going to play out in that first, you know, week against uh, Louisville and a couple weeks later at Ole Miss. Um, so you know, I I think there really is a quarterback competition. I again, I he he probably knows deep down who he he thinks will start that game. But I think he wants those guys to play it out and, and, and see who competes in preseason practice, see who can, uh, again, make those plays and, and rally the troops and, you know, all that college football cliche stuff. But he needs to see it. He needs to say, see who that guy is going to be. And, I, you know, I've covered college football a while. And just because, you know, one kid may start that opener, does not mean that kid becomes the starter, mm-hmm. right, over over the course of the season. So um, does it play out over the course of the year? I, I would imagine they hope not. I mean, Brent Key, I think he's a, a one-quarterback guy. Uh, he, he would much rather have that guy come in. But I think he's going he's gonna to relish that competition this August and see who can rise to the cream of the crop and take over that offense. So a couple of the transfers on defense, um, Braylon Oliver, Andre White uh, from Texas A&M, 
you know, a couple of pretty good players that, that that came in, you know, to this program. You know, they were a bad team against the run um, last year. Um, felt like a couple of years ago that they were really good at creating turnovers. Maybe not so much, you know, this past season. But what do you look at defensively from this team? Uh, obviously, the run defense has got to improve, but can they get after quarterbacks is the other question that I have, obviously with no Keon White now. No doubt. And, and uh, you know, I one of the prospect camps they had, I went out there and had a chance to talk to Andrew Thacker, defensive coordinator, a little bit. Um, I talked to him about the transfers. And, you know, just like any coach right now in the country, you're not signing these transfers to be backups or, or just to be rentals. I mean, you want these guys to come in and perform. You sign them for a reason. So when you bring in these guys who have experience at the FBS level or even if they're, you know, high-quality players at the FCS level, you want them to come in and perform right away. And um, is it patchwork maybe a little bit in year one for Brent Key? Um, but they're, they're going to have to use these guys all over the field. And to me, it's going to come down to scheme. You know, can they scheme up a defense? We're probably in year one in this, this system. They're probably going to be out-talented, you know, most weeks. I, I don't think there's any argument there. So they got to figure out a way to maybe mask some things, maybe overcome their weaknesses, um, like you said, find a way to get after opposing quarterbacks but not leave themselves exposed down the field to, to big plays. Uh, there's there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, I don't want to say tricks, but a lot of, you know, stuff they need to do, maybe even unconventionally, to figure out a way to stop other teams while they replenish that roster, why they get the talent level up to par with some of their opponents. Uh, doing that via the transfer route is, is definitely a way to start. So I think a lot of those guys will definitely contribute this year. Chad Bishop, he is the Georgia Tech beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Check out all of his work at AJC.com. He joined me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. You can follow him on his personal Twitter page, at Mr. Chad Bishop. Chad, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes on the show tonight. We will certainly chat again soon. Awesome. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. You got it. When we come back from the top of the hour, will be time for the Falcons flyover. Well, we didn't have anybody that made the list this year. But Pro Football Focus says maybe there's somebody who could make it next year. Chuck Rinakia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app.